Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. I just pray these next few minutes that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that you would uh, just speak to us and that you would begin the process of change in each one of us, God, because you have so much for us and we want to, we want to reach out for it and we want to grab it and we want to take it because you have given it to us and we want it, God, but we don't sometimes even act like we want it or we don't even know we want it. But God, we want it. We want your power. We want your power in our life. And so God, as we talk about that today, just be with me. Help me to get out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series called Experiencing God. And what that means is to, to actually try to figure out what God is like. Because God, uh, so much of the time, is in a place where he just seems like he's up somewhere and where is he? What's he doing? What's going on? And so we've, we've been talking about some of the questions about where he is and he's everywhere and we're talking about his abilities. And today we're going to talk about his power. We're going to talk about his power and how much power God has. Uh, I read uh, a couple weeks ago about the power of the sun, that it produces more energy in one second that has been used in the history of the world. I want you to think about that. And the sun at its current rate will be able to burn for another 30 billion years. Do you know how much power that is? And the Bible says God just said, let there be light. Let there be light. And there it is. Power that, that is, is incredibly exhaustive, incredibly encompasses everything in this world. It's an incredible power. And that power, the Bible says, God has for you and for me. But it's, it's not the, just this, this power of the sun, it's the power of the one who created it. Because if, if the sun is there, then something had to create it. It didn't just go boop and show up. It didn't just, it didn't just materialize. A creator, a designer had to say, there it is, and have a design for it. I, I'm mystified sometimes about how people can miss that. And I know we've scienced ourselves to death we, as a society, but I, I think there, there comes a time when we just have to jump and say, God, I'm going to believe that you did these things. I want to start out by reading Jeremiah 32, 17. It says this, Sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power, and you've outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I want you to think about that verse today. Nothing is too hard for you. Whatever you're going through today, whether it's, it's grief, whether it's anxiety, whether it's anything, God says to you today, there's nothing too hard for him. What we're talking about is what theologians call the omnipotence of God. The omnipotence of God. God is almighty. He's almighty. Omna means all. Potent means having great power. So in essence, today what we're talking about is an all-potent God. He is all-potent. He is all-powerful. I like to, to take these terms because I'm a simple man, and I like to take these terms and put them down in things of way we can 
really understand them and talk about, about potency when we talk about that today. One of my favorite drinks is Diet Mountain Dew. I love it. I drink it occasionally. I drink more of it than I should, but I like it. I love it. I love when I put that, that to my lips. I love the flavor. I love going to Applebee's because it's some of the most potent Diet Mountain Dew. that you, If you ever go there, it's potent. And it, my, my granddaughter says it's spicy. And so what, what we mean by that, it's something that, that when you put it, you know you've put it to your lips. And I can go to some gas station, and I won't, I won't call out a current gas station around here, but you go to a gas station, you get a down mountain, you put your lips, you go, oh, I don't even want that. It's kind of, kind of like, yeah, bland. <laughs> I remember that <laughs> I was taking a shower a couple years ago, and Brenda and I, and I'd go into the shower, and I'd I'd, I'd play with the water heater and I'd had the heat all turned up and I'd go in there and Brenda would take a shower and I'd go in there and there'd be nothing left, no hot water. I'm like, oh, my my shower was fickle. It was, you know, a little hot water. And then then I called Chris Ward and Chris Ward came in and put this great big water heater in there. It burns your face off. It's potent. I get in there. I've turned it down. I turn it down and Chris showed me. I'm like, dang, it's potent. It is not all potent, but it is potent. When I, when I get in the shower, I know that I've gotten in the shower. Our church, over the last 20 years, by the way, we're getting ready to celebrate 20 years. It's going to be a big, cool thing in January. 20 years. But we're going to celebrate 20 years. Our church, over these last 20 years, has had some incredible runs. Incredible runs. And I think we're in one of them right now. But we've also had some runs where we're just kind of like, yeah. Me, you know, and we've had, and the reason is, is because it's run by people, and people are fickle, and we're not potent all the time. We're potent sometimes. Sometimes when we want to be potent, we can really be potent, and sometimes we don't feel so potent. In fact, we just kind of let it go, and we spin our wheels. And the church goes in those patterns too. Our church has has had some great things that God has done to it and continue to do continue to be a light. And I'm so glad to be a part of a group of people that God has put together to do what he's doing here in our community. God has unlimited power, church. I want to say that to you at the outset. He never gets tired. He doesn't spin his wheels. Everything he does He does easily, like falling off a log. It just happens. He just does it. He doesn't have to exert himself. He just does it. It just happens. So this unlimited power that God has, and we hear about it. We've heard about it since you've been in Sunday school. You've heard about it. You come to church. You read about it sometimes, but there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect about this power. I mean, because if God's got all this power that can take the sun and speak it into existence, and it's got all that power, and God's got all this power that can do all the things that we see going on, why aren't his people more powerful? Why aren't his people, why don't they act like they got power? 
What's the problem? What's the disconnect? It reminds me of a story. Several years ago, I went to a mission convention. And at a missions convention, they bring in a bunch of missionaries. And all the missionaries come in, and they talk about their, their, their experiences. And it's so exciting to hear from people all over the world that, that have these mission uh, experiences where they, they go and they, they are in some foreign culture. And so this one guy, he was a little, he was a South African guy, and he could barely, you could not understand him real well. And he, I, I remember coming to, and, and I'm, I'm terrible at doing this, so I'm just, just disregard my accent. But I, I remember coming to my place where I was serving, and I was gifted a wonderful little four-wheel drive. And so now I sound like some Austrian. But anyway, he, he says, I was gifted this wonderful four-wheel drive. And so I was so excited, and I, I got it, and I was able to go from place to place. But I, the minute I jumped in it, I, I realized that it would not turn over. <laughs> and I thought, How, what am I going to do? So he, he brought a mechanic in, and they looked, and they went through all the wires, and nothing wouldn't start, but he had had a clutch, and so he, could, he said, I learned to park it on hills or go to where there was a lot of kids, and they could push me very fastly, and I would just go from place to place to place. And I was content to do that. But I always had to be sure to park on a hill. I always had to be sure to park where there was people. If I didn't, I was in trouble because I would be stuck. And he went on to explain this long, long story. And so it was time for him to leave. It was time for him to leave his post and somebody else was replacing him while he was going to go do some fundraising. And so this other fella came in and walked into the, into the mission station and he said, I have this wonderful car, but it will not start and you have to park and explain all this situation to him. And he got it all ready to go. And the guy says, well, let me look at it. And so he goes over and he went to the battery and the battery had a clear piece of plastic on it, where the, where, and nobody had seen it. He pulled it off. He popped that plastic off, put on the cable, went up and started it. And the little other guy goes, what is that? How are you? Is that possible? And all this time, for years and years and years, he had, had, had to take this, this vehicle and push it. He had to take this vehicle and rely on other people. And all it was was a little plastic connection that kept him from, from this connection of being able to go and do where he was supposed to go and do what he was supposed to do. And I think that's a perfect picture of us. I think we have this unlimited power that's available to us as a church. And we don't know how to operate it, and we don't know what to do with it, and we are, we are coasting, we are sitting on the top of the hills, and we are pushing ourselves off things and going, why is this so hard? And we're, 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 we're looking for others to come and, and to push us. And when they're not around, they're not pushing me and they're not doing this. And, and really, that's not any of our jobs. Our job is to connect to the power, to connect to the power that's there, that God has available for you and me. How do we do that when there's a shortage? There seems to be a shortage, not just in the world, but in the church, where there shouldn't be a shortage of power. There should be, we should be the most confident, powerful speaking people on the planet. But oftentimes we seem like Eeyore just walking around, like, uh, my life. Where have we seen God be powerful? Well, of course, I think we've seen him, the natural places to start is creation. 
Creation is a natural place to look at. Creation is a silent witness of God's power. Don't ever miss God's power. Look at the screen on one, Psalms 1, or 19, 1 and 2. says this. The heavens are telling the glory of God. They are a marvelous display of his craftsmanship. Day and night, they keep on telling us about God. We have etched out na- the, the, the nature that's around us so much. And the only time we, we do it is when it changes. Oh, it's fall. It's beautiful. Okay. On to something else. Brenda and I were driving through Brown County that day. We went to a wedding, another wedding, my last wedding. Thank God for a long time. So I'm driving, we're driving through Brown County, and we're, we drove these back roads to get out of the mess, this horde that's Brown County. And, and Brenda's on her phone, and I said, look, look at all these leaves. And I said, get off your phone and look at the leaves. And she said, if you were over here, you'd be looking around. I'm like, you're right. You're right. We just take nature for granted. And we take nature and the, the power that God has in this nature to do that. The Bible says that, that this universe was created by God's command, that this world was created by his command. God said water and there was oceans. God said there's, there's fish and there was, there was, the whole ocean was full of fish. That's what I call power. And it goes back to the thing where you have a design and there's a design. There has to be a designer. It takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in him. It takes so much faith not to believe in God. We have a power shortage, church. We have a power shortage. And the power shortage begins with you, and it begins with me. Look what Ephesians says in 120. Prayers for today. This is my prayer for every one of you as, as we go through this service in the next few minutes. Don't, please, don't miss this. This is so important. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead is ours. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is ours. It's either a lie or it's the truth. Throw it away. Stop coming to church if you don't believe stuff like that. Stop wasting your time if you don't believe that same power is available to you today. Our world today has so many places that, that we have uh, uh, just a, a lack. You know, the last couple years have showed us so many shortages. We had that coin shortage. We had an aluminum shortage. We, we have a worker shortage. We have, we, you know, it goes on and on. We, here in, in Johnson County, we've got a housing shortage. You can't find a house. And if you can, you've got to pay a lot for it. As we look at the church... We shouldn't have a shortage. We should have, uh, we should have an abundance. We should have abundance of power. We should have abundance of faith. But yet here we are, many of us sitting in this room today. Lack of faith. Lack of forethought. Lack of thinking that God is really who he is and acting like he is who he said he was. See, we're short on power in the church we're short on it. We're, we're short on, on getting started, the power to get started. And let me show you two ways that are just really, really uh, evident to me in, in, in that. How do, we, how do we have a shortage of getting started? Well, let's think about that. How many good things have you been postponing in your life the last six months, the last six years? I'm going to get around to it one day, but 
Going to exercise. Yep. Tomorrow I'm going to start eating right. Someday I'm going to, I'll give God some money. You know, I'll start tithing. Someday I'll, I'll get in a life group. Someday I'll read the Bible. Someday, someday, someday. And it doesn't come. Doesn't come. Look what Romans says, 7.18. I often find that I have the will to do good. But what? Read what it says. But not the power. I have the will. Will does nothing. I have the will, but not the power. Does that describe you today? You want to do what's right, but you don't have the power. How many of you have learned that good intentions are not enough? (laughs) I know I need to be doing that, and I intend to get around to it. And yet we never get around to it. You ever want to do something and just seem helpless? How do I begin? Where do I even start? Look what Philippians 2.13 says. For God is at work within you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That God is at work in you? Or is that just some scripture that some guy pulled off the screen and you go, huh? Oh. Either God is who he says he is, or he's a liar. I want to challenge some of you to start looking at your beliefs because your beliefs are not matching up with your intentions. I intend to do what God wants me to do, but I'm not doing it. Why the heck not? Why the heck not? See, we are, we're, we're short on getting started. Here's another thing we're short on. We're short on, on, on keeping and finishing it up. Finish it up. Many of you in here are great starters. You're incredible starters. You start something. You start a project. And you, you, your spouse that you're married to is, is probably going crazy because you got so many things that you started, but you've not finished. You've not finished. God wants to give you the power to keep on keeping on. To not just, not just get started, but to finish it out. Look what Psalm says in 6, 2, and 3. I am worn out, O God. Give me strength. I am completely exhausted, and my whole being is deeply troubled because I have so many projects that I haven't finished. I don't even know where to go. To, so I'll start another project because I didn't finish that project. Ouch. I think some of you, that's your life verse. I'm tired. I'm tired. God says, I want to help you keep going, church. I got the power to help you keep going. I have what it takes to keep you going. I've got it for some of you. You got to listen to me today. You got to listen and say what what God is is speaking to the church and he's speaking to somebody very specifically here this morning. There's that that verse I love in Isaiah that says this, the Lord is is an everlasting God. He never grows tired or weary. 
He strengthens those who are weak and tired. Those who trust the Lord for help will find their strength, what? Renewed. 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 There's some of you here today thinking, well, I'm a believer and I don't think I've ever felt God's power like you're talking about in my life. I don't know if this stuff really works. And I want to say to you, if you're thinking that, you know what? You're right. (laughs) You're right. You're right. The fact is, God's power is not automatic. It doesn't come just because you say you're a Christian. It doesn't come and dump on you one day and you go, now today I'm the power ranger. No. It is not automatic. It doesn't just come to you. I would say that most Christians do not have God's power in their life to any degree. And I know that's harsh. But I think a lot of you are very powerless today. I know some of you are very powerful. Don't beat me up on that. But I think some of you are powerless. And you're spinning your wheels and you're wondering why. You, you said God's powerful, but he's not powerful in me. How do I get that jolt of spiritual current? How do I get that energy in me? How do I, how do I start to exhibit that power that you're talking about, Jeff? Let's talk about that. Here's the first thing. you got to fess up on your own that you don't have the power. You inside of you, you don't have the power unless it's God's power. Anything that you have will wear out, it will burn out, it will rust out, it will fade away. I'm 64, and the things I used to be able to do when I was 24 and 44 and 64, can't do them anymore. A lot of them can do a lot of things I couldn't do back then, but I can't do some of the physical things that I used to be able to do. And it's because I thought I had all the power. I thought I was a little bit kind of like God. When I was a teenager like these guys, up here, I thought, man, I'm indestructible. <laughs> I'm going to go and go and go and go and go until I didn't. And I had to come one day and I had to fess up and say, I don't have the power. 2 Corinthians 12 puts it this way, 12, 9, and 10. Okay, that's why I didn't put it there. Let's not go there. Here, here's, here's what I want you to say. It has to come to an admission to where you say, that this is the gist of 2 Corinthians, is that you have to understand that you're not God. That you're not God. And sometimes you act like it. You act like it because you take care of all your issues and you try to take care of all your problems and you try to take all care of all your family's problems and your kids when they're doing, oh, you take it on yourself and you take this on, you take that on. And pretty soon you find yourself just totally burnt out. You have to come to a, a, a confession where you say, I am not a self-made man. Because if you're a self-made man, you know what you are? <laughs> you're really weak. If you're a God-made man, you're really powerful. But if you're a self-made man, you ain't much. You ain't much. And the people around you know it, and you know it. The only thing is you haven't been honest, and you haven't said anything to yourself, and that it's self-admission is, I don't have the power. you got to start there. 
And then you've got to let your faith flag fly. What do I mean by that? Let me, let me say, you've got you to unfurl the, the flag that, has, that, that God has put up in you. That, that flag, it's got to fly. It's got to furl right out in front of you and say, I have faith that God is who he says he is. The key is personal power in your life, not anything else. It, it, the, the key to, to power is faith. It's faith. The key to your personal power has to start with faith. Mark 9, 23. Did I put that? I hope I did. Yep. No, nope. Yeah, there it is. Two things. Everything is possible for him who believes, Matthew 9, 29. And then according to your faith, it will be done to you. Listen, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Not according to what you say, but according to your faith. So I ask you today, how big is your faith? How big is your faith? We have to say, I can't, God can, and I'm going to let him. I'm going to let him. There's nothing, there's nothing you're going to get done that's going to last if it doesn't have God's power in it. Because it'll crumble. It'll, it'll just go away. The Bible says he works according to your faith. Since God has limited power, what we do is we limit him. We limit him when we say this is how much God can do. I used to call it for teenagers when I was speaking with teenagers all the time. You put God in a box and say this is what God can do in my life. This is all he can do. And he can't do no more. Why would you do that? Why would you put God in a box? But we do. He can't do that. Who said? Who said? According to your faith, it will be done to you. It will be done to you. He works according to what your faith is. Thirdly, you got to let your words speak of your faith. Your words have to speak of your faith. I am the number one guilty guy of this in the world because I'm a sarcastic guy by nature. I'm very sarcastic. And I'm very, I, I see right to, through things and people. It's one of my gifts, but it's a horrible gift because I see it, people, and I get, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and I, I get this, this, this horrible feeling, and I go, they're going to fall. They're going to fall. And so what my words have done is they've just condemned that person to fall because I don't have any faith in my words. My words don't show it. My words speak of sarcasm. My words speak of, of little faith. I think we all need to admit it here today. And this is an admission that maybe you ought to, you ought to spend some time on this week, that by nature, most of us are sarcastic. By nature, we're sarcastic. By nature, we're kind of negative. Our words out of our mouth, they're important. Words are very, very important what you say. 2 Corinthians 4.13, I think I put that, says this. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Let me read that again. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. We speak. We speak. I'm talking about 
a goal here, basically. Because what you speak is your goal. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to give God what's his. I'm going to do this with my family. It's a, it's, it's, it's a goal of faith that I am not going to accomplish it because every time I try to exercise, I do it for three days and I quit. Every time I try to eat right, I do it for a month and I stop. Stop. You got to say it in faith. The Bible says in Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue. James says it's a rudder. (laughs) It's a rudder. Your tongue is a rudder. And it's a rudder to your faith. And it short circuits your faith because of what you speak about yourself, what you speak about your kids, what you speak about others. I'm just a victim. I'm just acting in the way that, that I was treated when I was a kid. That's just me. And so we're living and we're stuck in our past because somebody hurt us horribly. And so we continue to speak. That's just who I am. That's me. That's me. That is tanking your faith. You're short-circuiting God's power in your life by your mouth. You're short-circuiting His power by your mouth. God's power is not automatic. It doesn't just fall on you. You've got to admit that you have a need, that you believe in faith, and then you speak it in faith. And then lastly, lastly, you step out of your boat in faith. You step out of the boat in faith. You gotta step out. And let, I gotta spend just a minute on this, and then we'll be done. It's very vital that we get this point, church. So don't check out. Please don't check out. You've got to act in faith. What does that mean? <laughs> you must step out in advance before the power is released. God wants you to take action before you feel anything. Listen, God wants you to take action before you feel anything because your feelings most times are wrong. The Bible says that your feelings, when you're ruled by your feelings, you're immature. And most of us start out every day by, I feel like this. And we are ruled by it and not by God. We are ruled by our feelings I feel fearful. I feel mad. I feel anxious. I feel, 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 feel. And it's wrong. And it's short-circuiting your faith. You mean I have to act as if I've got the power even though I don't have the power in order to get the power? Yes. Let me say that again. You have to act like you've got the power, even though you don't have the power, in order to get the power. But Jeff, that's crazy. No, it's not. It's faith. It's boat stepping out. It's, it's Peter. God, Jesus, I see you. There you are. Tell me to step out, and I'll step out. And he did, and he walked on the water. Do you think he felt scared when he was getting ready to step out in that way? Yeah. He was feeling all kinds of things. Don't! If you go out in that water, what's going to happen? You're going to sink, buddy! You give so much of your income to Jesus, you're going you're gonna to go broke. You give your time, you're going to be tired. 
You help somebody, they're going to take advantage of you. And on and on and on. You've got to act like God is going to provide. You've got to act like he's going to provide. And when you step out in advance, before you feel it, God sees your faith. Do not wait for a feeling. Do not. The amazing thing is that God wants to share his power with you. But we've got to follow his steps. It doesn't just come automatic. That's why you're powerless. That's why you're here today going, I don't know if this God thing works. I mean, you're trying and you're, you're showing up and, you know, you, you, I don't know what you do, but I, I don't think you're giving him your all. Are you? I don't think your words are projecting your faith. I don't know that your actions even are. But nothing, you know, that, that, that's when we get sick. When we get sick, the first thing is just to get, oh, why did God let me get sick? It's not, no, God's going to heal me. That does something to your body. That does something to the chemistry inside of you. That does something to who you are because God knows when you cooperate with him, then he activates the power and the switch goes. And all of a sudden that little clear plastic thing is out of the way. And there it is. There's the power. And you're not, you're not walking. You're not pushing. You're not dragging. I want you to think of a person today as we get ready to close that you find it really hard to love. Think about that person right now. Or maybe for some of you, that person that's really hard to be patient with. You got them? Then you got to start thinking, what would a loving person act like towards that person? What would a godly person act like towards that person? See, that's where you're acting. But they, they've hurt me. <laughs> They've said mean things to me, or they, they hurt my feelings, but I'm not going to go there. No. See, you act against the feeling. You act against what's, what's holding you back because your feelings hold you back from doing what God is calling you to do. Your feelings are stopping you, and they're wrong, and they're from the devil. They are not from God. If I was patient, how would God act towards that person in me? If I was loving, how would God act in me towards that person? Watch what happens if you do that. It will blow your mind. That's living by faith. That's living in faith. You cannot feel your way into an action but you can act your way into a feeling. Let me say that one more time. You cannot feel your way into an action, but you can act your way into a feeling. I've got two things that I put at the very end here. If you'll, God wants you to take action before you feel anything. There's your two action steps today. And you know who said that? It was me. You know who said this? Somebody smart. Somebody really godly. It wasn't me. But those two things, those two things can help guide you as you begin to let the power of God be real in your life. And as you act in faith, and you go, 
I don't see the end here. I don't see how this is going to happen. How many times have you said that? How many times? I don't, I, there's, no, there's no good end to this. Are you God? Must be, because you, you got the helicopter view. He don't. No, he does. He knows how it's going to end. All he's waiting on you is to act. Act. Then he will do what only he can do. We limit God so much by our unbelief, church. And I, my hope today is that this starts somebody's engine here like never before today. I pray that I hear some rumbling here in just a minute. I pray it goes, I want to hear it. I want to hear God doing that in some of you. I want to see the gears just, just really turning. And if you're not there yet, you're not ready to, I can't start it yet. Okay, what are you going to do to get there? What are you going to do to get where you can act in faith? The only way you do it is by taking little baby steps. One, and then maybe a little one. I'm not asking you maybe to, to jump right now, but I'm just saying take a step. Take a step. Where does God want me to go? Let's pray as the man comes. Jesus, I am so thankful that you've given us your word. I'm so thankful that you are omni, all-powerful. I am thankful that you have called us to be powerful people, to not be timid, to not act like we're God, but to act like you are. God, forgive us today. Forgive us for what we've made our spiritual lives like. We have hidden in the bushes or we have played you far too much. So God, start something in this room this day. We pray these in Jesus' name. Amen.